Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. The Matrix. In the year 2008, the Wachowskis released their best movie, Speed Racer. But nine years before that, they released some emo shit. <laughs> Mr. Summerhays, would you like to take a red pill? Uh, that means something else now, Matt. <laughs> it means so many things now. I don't it know. mostly means one thing, and it's not good. Okay, yeah. I guess I've lived in Japan so long. I, 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 you know, every week I hear a different meaning for that. The only idiot who spends too much time on the internet. Ah, there we go. Seeking out stuff that would just piss me off. Hello, <laughs> this is Matt. This is Luke. You've entered the... Sci-fi sanctuary. And yeah, uh, sorry if it's a windy one, but we're like at, at another legit sci-fi sanctuary today. Yeah, this one's pretty cool. Not quite as mind-blowing as the last one, but it would be better. Also, way less of a hike to get to. Yeah, although we did walk a fair amount to get here, just just for funsies. For funsies, yes. Um, today, yeah, we're talking about the Matrix. Is that how Probably we it? the most seminal film of my lifetime. I would probably say that for mine, because Star Wars came out two years before I was born. Oh, there you go. Yeah, this is probably... Maybe... Give me an 80s one. I'm thinking the only other things I could compare, Jurassic Park. You were alive for that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, um... I don't know Top I Gun. Did that have a big impact? Yeah. I was going to say T2. That's how they got everyone to uh, volunteer for the military. Oh, yeah, I had that, but I mean on filmmaking. <laughs> oh, no, maybe not so much. But just yeah, Jurassic Park or T2 would be the other ones yeah. that maybe were as big as this. But. And, uh, yeah, this, I, we, we've, this kind of goes bat to bat with another film we've already done on this podcast. Because um, this is within about two months of The Phantom Menace being released. This is yeah. what this is what the Phantom Menace I think was supposed to be. <laughs> you mean in terms of like how huge it was and an impact, impact and all that, yeah. Right. And just how people felt about it at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whereas the Phantom Menace was I guess I like this. Um this one holds up pretty well, although with as we've already mentioned, a few of the tropes have gotten a little weird in the ensuing years, but Yeah, oh well, yeah, there's a obviously it has aged, it's a twenty year old film, but I think it is still Really fucking good. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. But e even uh, three, I think it was maybe two or three months after this was released, you get Columbine in America. Mm. You know, dudes in black trench coats of, with with guns, right? Right. So, which yeah. is awesome in this movie. And then three years, uh, three years, three months later, it's like, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's one of those things. It's not inherently problematic, but people are idolizing the wrong aspects of yeah, the thing, right? Exactly. You know, it's like people who idolize, you know, Scarface or um, Walter White or whatever. 
you're not necessarily meant to. I mean, the Matrix is not the copper or something like that. That would have more to do with, like, I don't know, probably psychiatric meds and things. But, it, it, but there's things to discuss. Yeah. <laughs> so when I came out, when this film came out, I was nine, maybe even eight. So obviously I didn't see it in theaters, but I did watch it pretty much as soon as it came out on tape. Mm. And this is like, this is literally a, my parents said, you have to watch this. We're sitting down and watching this. <laughs> um, because, yeah, it was just freaking mind blowing. Yeah, when I went to see it, um, I actually did see it on opening night, and it was it opened a theater, uh, the large multiplex that's near my parents' house. Right. And I, I think this was kind of like, okay, let's be ready so when Phantom Menace comes out, the theater's kicking. So The Matrix uh, actually opened that theater. Oh, okay, cool. With, with like 18 other movies, of course. But this was the big release that weekend. And, yeah. Uh, we went in, I guess, pretty much expecting something along the lines of Johnny and Mnemonic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which was... Keanu Reeves a couple of years earlier, or, or Dark City, because that had also come out a year earlier. But yeah, so we got our, our mind. I mean, th those strains do show up here, definitely, but in a very different concoction. Because I was what, when I watched it, I already kind of knew what it was about, right? And a lot of it had already seeped into like the mainstream consciousness. But going into this film blind, it must have been a hell of a fucking trip. Yeah, I saw the trailer. That's it. Right, but like. <laughs> Obviously, it makes sense when you know what's going on. But when I was watching it, and it's just like, he's in a, a room, and then you cut to, like, he's in that fucking pod, and it's like all this body horror shit's going on. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's almost surreal until you understand what's going on. It's real horrific stuff. Yeah, and it kind of uh, just slowly creeped in as, whoa, I'm actually watching an amazing movie. Because, uh, again, it was opening night, so I, maybe I just, like, glanced a review or two in the newspaper, and that's about it. Right. Um, I, I guess I was scouting movies on the internet a little bit by... Yeah, yeah. by the time this came out, I was doing that. How did this review? Pretty well. I was going to say, it, is, it, it, is it one of those ones where, like, it wasn't until it had been out for a little while people realized, or... No, I got, pretty, the was on it got pretty good reviews right hey. out of the gate. Um, yeah. I know Roger Ebert, I, I just read this morning that Roger Ebert gave it a three out of four stars, so he wasn't, oh. like, completely in love with it, but obviously he liked it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And after Johnny Mnemonic, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen that one? I think I have seen it, but I don't remember. It's a pretty well. rough ride. I also I get it confused with Lawnmower Man. Oh, I like Lawnmower Man. Yeah. But they're both they're both I haven't seen them since well around the time I watched this, right? Yeah, I, desperate for anything. Similar. I have not seen either of those movies since I okay. first saw The Matrix. Well, maybe they should go on the list. But uh, I I guess this is when I was still seeing movies multiple times in theater sometimes. So I probably saw this in the theater two or three times. I mean, like I said, I didn't see it. I didn't actually see any of the Matrixes in the theaters. I was too young, but. Yeah, they, these were, like, wear out the tape slash DVD films for me yeah, this and all was, my friends. Uh, this was the first big DVD film. I think it was the first one that sold more than a million copies on DVD. Well, when we were talking about The Fifth Element, you said, oh, Fifth Element was the film they used to show off DVDs until The Matrix came out. Right, and at that point, every electronic store, this was playing on endless yeah, yeah, for yeah. about five years. Uh, right. What came after that? I don't know. Uh, what, was the, what was the next big effects bonanza for people? I mean, Transformers, but that's like a full eight years. There must have been something in between. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Matrix just pro might have actually been playing on those screens for about eight years, to be honest. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it can hold that up. Mm -hmm. Whoa, sorry, I just made it like the worst snort ever. It's okay. <laughs> I've been getting real lazy in editing my other podcast, and uh, I left in a huge belch. <laughs> <laughs> but it comes up from reading something, and I'm like, when it eats an apple, burp. <laughs> and I was like, People were messaging me like, wait, was that burp deliberate? I was like, no, but I'm going to say it was. 
Oh, since we are talking about formative things, do you do you want to do you want to read your piece now or later? You, uh, I mean, I guess this is the bit where we talk about the personal impact, right? Yeah. This film was everything when I was, you know, turning into a teenager. See, I would have been about 20, so I would have definitely appreciated it, and I liked it. There goes a train, if you're wondering. Anyway, I definitely liked it and appreciate it, but I wouldn't, definitely wouldn't be obsessed with it in the way an eight or nine-year-old might have been. Yeah, well, by the time I was obsessed, I guess it was like this one was out and the sequels were on the way, so I was 11, 12, and like there was this, of course, this was when I was first getting super into Digimon and Pokemon, um, recently, I rewatched all of Digimon, and you can tell The Matrix came out between season one and season two. Because they're both about, you know, a digital world, going into computers, hacking, blah, blah, blah. But in the second one, suddenly there's lots of green code coming down. There's all the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh sound effects in fight scenes. Everyone's doing, like, Neo poses. There's the other one. Those sound effects went for eight years until Transformers yeah, and then gave it was a new set. So, yeah, how about your fanfic? So, yeah, basically I ended up writing some Pokemon slash The Matrix fanfiction, which I recently rediscovered. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and I, I, in full disclosure, I have a similar one for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but that's on paper in America, and um, someday maybe I'll bring that out, but I don't know. Yeah, you're lucky that you're enough older than me that when you went through that phase, it wasn't online forever. <laughs> <laughs> so... I guess we're going to do the we'll do the synopsis then. Let's hear let's hear what this movie is about, man. It's a, there's many levels, yeah. I'm sure there's listeners who don't know. It seems that you've been living two lives. One life, you're Thomas A. Anderson, program writer for a respectable software company. You have a social security number, pay your taxes, and you help your landlady carry out her garbage. The other life is lived in computers, where you go by the hacker alias Neo, and are guilty of virtually every computer crime we have a law for. One of these lives has a future, and one of them does not. Mr. Anderson chooses Neo. He seeks out the most wanted man alive, Morpheus, who reveals that Neo has been living in a dream world. The world as Neo knows it is a computer program created by a machine race who keep humans enslaved in pods. Neo is freed and joins Morpheus on his hover ship, the Nebuchadnezzar, and meets the crew, Trinity, Tank, obvious villain, some red shirts, Morpheus tells Neo that he is the One, a prophesied messiah who can rewrite the Matrix at will. Agent, agents capture Morpheus and, against everyone's advice, Neo leads a rescue mission. Morpheus is saved. Trinity loves Neo. Neo Neo dies a little bit, but it's all good in the end. Did someone say Jesus metaphor? Goodbye, Mr. Peterson, stated the man emotionlessly when the Uzi ran out of ammo. The first man threw his Uzi to the floor and cartwheeled behind a parked van. He put the mobile to his ear and whispered, There's an agent. He took out the phone. I need help. I got another exit. Do you see that red motorbike? The keys have been left in. Thanks, Data. 
The man ran towards the motorbike, bullets screaming past him, just shy of killing him. He somersaulted through the air, onto the vehicle. He turned the keys and roared off towards a car park. He continued on the phone. Where now? Hang on, Aeon, replied Data. Damn it, he roared. The place is crawling with agents. Head for the multi-story car park, hurry. Aeon closed the phone and sped away. Another motorcycle pulled out behind him. He sped to a tunnel and drove up the side. The other bike followed. He came down on top of a lorry. We'll get into the actors and things first, but then of course we're gonna do the philosophy and all of that. And I think I can do that without once mentioning Jesus. That's fair. Okay, okay, that's a, a preview of things to come, but uh, actors, this is, the, this is the second coming of Keanu, isn't it? He's now had his third coming as well. I guess, yeah, because <laughs> you've got like Bill and Ted goofball. Well, no, because I see this film is literally the bridge because he starts the film as Ted. Yeah. and ends it as like the messiah character he would play for his whole like second phase well you saw in my notes when he when he wakes up from uh the matrix if that had been like bill and ted 3 i would have been down with that morpheus is like the george carlin role that, that would have yeah. been cool because he even drops a few whoa yeah yeah well that was the thing he says well up to this movie every movie he does has a whoa yeah john wick doesn't whoa does he no 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 i would love it if john wick woed <laughs> <laughs> i mean john wick experiences a lot of whoa <laughs> but um, yeah, so he done the Bill and Ted. A Point Break was a reasonable success. That's why oh, Speed. Yes, that was. Yeah, but Point Break and Speed, he's still kind of playing Ted, right? That's right. But I'm just saying, uh, he, just he had gotten Ted. his action wheels on at that point, and then sputtered out a bit with a few crappy movies like Chain Reaction. Was Chain Reaction before or after this? I think I it was before. Know. You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? I don't know that one. No. Okay, it's an it's an action movie. Right. Um, around this time, uh, so that or or like I said, Johnny Mnemonic. He was, just wasn't very good action films and. Well, now he is. No, I'd forgotten Point Break and Speed, and they're great films. Yeah, I love Speed. I haven't seen it for a long time, but in yeah, the 90s, I... a lot of good films. Saw it a good... He is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good actor. I was surprised... Well, is he, though? <laughs> he, he's a good chooser? Uh, yeah. He, okay, again, charisma versus acting skill. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got all the charisma. Well, I love watching Johnny Reeves' films, but he doesn't, like, emote very much. We or... do talk about how he doesn't age, but watching yeah. this film, you're like, oh, whoa, he is younger. Maybe that's where some of the Ted comes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He is younger, yeah. Because Alex Winter, I don't think, aged as well, did he? No. I, I... Yeah, but he wasn't, like, doing films and taking care of himself in the same way, I guess. Did you see any stuff he did? No. Oh, he did some cool stuff after Bill and Ted, though. Oh, he, cool. um For a while, I was actually a bigger Alex Winter fan, because uh, he did a sketch comedy show called um, The Idiot Box, Mm-hmm. which I'll need to track down some of that for you because that is funny. Oh, um, cool. He did a caught film called Freaked. Huh. Have you heard of Freaked? Nope. Oh, it's been a few years since I saw it, but um, I think he plays the goat boy. It's a, and Keanu, no, Keanu Reeves makes a cameo in that movie as, like, the goat boy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just, that film, uh, well, it's it's called Freaked, so you, you can yep. you know, get in. It's a circus. Alex Witness seems like a nice guy. He just didn't do as many films and stuff. Well, Freaked is one we should all watch. Okay. But for Keanu, yes, we should probably move on to The Matrix. Um, Carrie Ann Moss was out of nowhere, I believe, at this point. Yes. She was, well, she was my generation's Princess Leia, basically. Yeah. Everyone loved her. She, um, interestingly, uh, she started out older than they usually start actresses. I mean, that's, she's, you know, fine. It's great. I just, uh, yeah, they took the cougar approach a little here, which you don't see much in Hollywood movies. Yeah, she actually seems like an appropriate age for Neo. It's not like, oh, let's get him a 10 years younger actress to have a 
She looks about five years older. <laughs> uh, and she, uh, for most of this film, is the more competent one, right? It's exactly. not like a... She's never like a damsel in distress in this film. Right. Oh, no, not at all. She's, she's the one that knows what she's doing from the beginning. Yeah. I wrote, uh, Carrie-Anne can Batman and solid CGI helps. Yeah, and she's also... Like, she's into him first. Right. But yeah, this is not the classic crap cinema romance where it's just like he's obsessed with her and he wins her by the end sort of thing. Well, he's way, way, way too disoriented to even consider romance as he should be. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's... Once you leave the cave, things can be quite disorienting. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, Lawrence Fishburne was already a notable actor by this point. He is the coolest man alive. Yeah, I guess this is where <laughs> he kind of bumped up to the A-list. Oh, was he... Did he, did he Look, have some A-list Apart from Matrix, this? has he ever been A-list? Well, I know he's done a bit, a bit of stuff, but... I feel like he would... I've seen him in like some like school dramas, yeah? So, yeah, does he ever like headline stuff? I guess not. He always plays this role, like the teacher role. Do you know his first role? Gun. Uh, Apocalypse Now. Ah. He's on the gunboat, okay. like tripping on LSD. <laughs> and he's super, I mean, he's supposed to be like 17. He's supposed to have gotten in like younger than he was supposed to into the military. Oh, okay. So if you want to trip out next time you watch Apocalypse Now, that is him on the boat. Damn. As, as like a, you know, someone that looks like he'd be your high school classmate. <laughs> but yeah, other than Matrix, what have I seen him in like Predators? Mm. That role that was clearly written for Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> um, and John Wick. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he has done other stuff, but none of it's coming to mind. I, I, need, to, I need to wick a little harder. <laughs> uh, I think he's only in two. Oh, is he? I, I've honestly... Well, maybe three. I haven't seen three yet. I've only seen the first one. I liked it, but I need to get, get to the second and third. I still think the first is best, but they're all fun. Okay, maybe I'll watch the first one again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Morpheus is just so cool. Yeah. yeah, he's on my list of very cool bald men that I idolize. He's definitely up there. <laughs> but um, I don't know why. I just kept watching this movie, thinking every time he's talking to Neo, he's like coming on. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I don't know why. I can't... He... The character is essentially grooming him, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, I guess what's yeah, I guess happening it, in just, a way. Yeah. So there is a weird like tension to it. I was surprised. That's not all in your head. I don't know. Watching things to um. Yeah. Anyway, the, yeah, no, the quote, like, I'm trying to free your mind, Neo, but I can only show you the door. It makes me think, uh, there, do you know the sketch comedy show, The Upright Citizens Brigade? Only through you. Okay. There's one, it's like a party, like, and this guy's like, hey, I want, I want to show you my time machine. And come on back. And he, he like, like, gives him, like, roofies and, like, rapes him. <laughs> Two right. men. Okay. Yeah. And then he's like, you raped me. It's like, oh, no, no, now I'll show you the real time machine. And that just kept crossing through my mind every time, uh... Uh, every time Morpheus talked. That's some dark shit. Okay. It's played for comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what makes it dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, one of the actors. He shows up in a lot of supporting roles now, like as like you know a police chief in like a MCU film or something. So right. I, whenever I see him, I saw him in an Upright Citizens Brigade, and was, you know I always think of him as a comedian. So now when I see him trying to play a quote straight role, I'm, I can't quite buy it. That is the comedy troupe I took drinking once too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's why you've told me about it a few times. <laughs> it's a good show, though. Also, so yeah. Um, oh, other big breakout along with Carrie Ann Moss, of course, would have to be Hugo Weaving here. Oh. This is after Priscilla Queen of the Desert, I believe. Before, or after? Well, this is like 1999. Yeah. I think it's after. After, okay. But just before Lord of the Rings. Yeah, because that was yeah before Lord of the Rings. Because uh, Priscilla was kind of his on the radar as a decent actor, and this is where people actually saw him. But, uh, oh, 
Well, uh, three times a charm. He's also the voice of Megatron in Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you. Another Wachowski film, Cloud Atlas, has him playing a role similar to Agent Smith in one part, in one sequence. <laughs> Another one, he plays sort of the um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest nurse role. Okay. As in drag. Huh. <laughs> but he is a phenomenal villain. Oh, God, yes. And yeah. just the most, the most iconic. Well, until Heath Ledger's Joker, this was the voice everyone thought they could do. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, I heard that from an interview with them, that that's how you approach the voice. You do the 50s news anchor like Edward Murrow, but a little more menacing. Right. Okay. Yeah, that kind of, that does it. So you're reporting the news, but it's something that's going to cause you problems in the future. The coronavirus is coming to your town, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice when you were doing your synopsis, like you got the accent, like almost like every eighth word, the, the English accent would like slip through. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was fun. It's my life at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's most of the actors. I, I well, guess I mean, the crew, the, the, all this, most of the smaller parts are very well played. Oh, the Oracle. I, I, oh, yeah, Oracle. I regret I cannot remember the actress's name. Mm. Um, I'm going to look her up, though, because she does deserve her. Yeah, well, I'll look at the whole cast. She's only in this one because, she's unfortunately... In she's in one or two, and they changed the actress for No, three. no, they changed it for a second one, didn't they? No, it's for three. Uh, oh, I guess they'd already shot Dude, a little bit. I watched them all this week. <laughs> okay, I guess, okay, I'll try to... So they shot a little bit, then she passed on, right? Yes. Okay, because the actress died, which is why, of course, they recast her. Mm -hmm. and, and the replacement was good, too, but, you know, um, it's kind of... Yeah, it's a Matrix, you can... Oh! Fun fact, this film came out on September 11th in Japan. Ah! 99, though. 99, okay. If, if, if that were in the States, we could come up with all sorts of wild, insane theories, I I'm guess. I'm sure you're going to, anyway. They're gonna go in a different direction, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if... I don't know if you... I don't know if you know my direction. I think it's obvious, but we'll, we'll find out soon. Um, Gloria Foster with yes. the Oracle. I, see, I, I... Actually, I... Yeah, I didn't remember that name. I had, I could, the Gloria vibe came through. What's the uh, one that replaced her in the second one? I'm going to have to look up a whole separate film for that, man. Uh, okay, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> if we ever do that film, we'll cover it then. But all the little roles, I mean, even, even the kid that's spoon-bending is, you know, like, it comes across as a nice little acting bit. Well, we've got another villain as well, of course. We've got Cypher, played by Joe Pantoliano. Oh, okay. Is he in... He's got to be in other stuff. He's got that character actor face. Yeah, yeah, but he's... Like, like I said in my opening part it's obviously meant to be like a twist that he turns out to be the villain but it's utterly not a twist like from the first line he speaks like oh this is a bad guy <laughs> gives Mor uh, morpheus gives neo like that that going blind moonshine you know yeah <laughs> come on man just a swig of the stuff um oh he right he has one terrible line read um so there's a bit it's the same scene where he gives in the drink right and they're looking and he's like, oh, you can only see the Matrix as the code. We can't properly watch it. And he's meant to say, oh, yeah, the visualizer works for the program, but not for the Matrix. But instead, he says, the visualizer works for the program. It's hard to say. He says it so the emphasis is in the wrong place and you don't understand what the fuck he's talking about. The emphasis. Yes. <laughs> um, just like the one that I always bring up in Spider-Man. I got something for your ass. <laughs> <laughs> it works for the program. <laughs> Works. It works for the program. It works for the program. Okay, I, I can see it. That, yeah, it the, the way he says it, the implication is that the program somehow affects it. But what he's meant to be saying is, 
oh yeah, we can see the program, but the matrix is too complicated. Well, maybe he's giving away his um, his actual, you know, um, allegiances with. I think subtly. It's just the, that that's him giving it away subtly, as opposed to all the other moments when it's really obvious. <laughs> I mean, he's got a lot of films on his IMDb, but like not, I said, he's like a it. character yeah, actor, yeah, yeah. dude, right? Yeah. Oh, he was Ben Urich in the uh, crap Daredevil film. Oh, he's in the Adventures of Pluto Nash. <laughs> we can do that on this podcast. That was sci-fi, right? It's a memento. That's actually fairly oh, yeah, legit. That's a serious. Well, after the Matrix, he would have gotten a few. Yeah. No, no, you're going backwards in time. Okay. That was just after the Matrix. Anyway, um, but yeah, you know, he's just he, okay. He, he's not bad. He was just written that way. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's an actor problem. It's the direct. Well, most films they do that thing where he seems like a hero, then the audience finds out he's a bad guy, and the actor just plays it really villainous from that point on. Whereas at least this guy just plays it like that through the whole film. Yeah, like a real creepy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, of course you got the rest of the crew. Tank just missed guy on the computer. Yeah. He's all right. Guy in the chair, as um, Ned would say in Spider-Man. Apoc. Is that even right? Yeah, he has like two lines, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Mauser. Switch. Switch, I actually like because I think as you've written in, in your notes, her death is like really existential and horrifying. Not this way. Not like this. <laughs> not like this. Yeah, really not like that. That sucks. Yeah, it's horrible. From, from, a, from an a-hole. A-hole killing Apoc. Yeah, um, apparently the other two agents do have names. Oh, what are they? Try and guess. Obviously, the first one is Agent Smith. Agent Reynolds. No, 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 no. Agent Wesson. No, no, go even more obvious. Doe. Agent, Agent Doe. Agent Jones. Okay. Agent Brown. Come on, I was in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, Doe is good. That's why I Doe is good. Doe is good. <laughs> like, there's like 10 That's words that are going to work. That's why I gave it you. Yeah. Yeah. There's like 10 words that are going to work there. Agent um, Brown seems like a diehard reference. Second one. No, the first one. The two FBI agents turn oh. up for Agent Brown and Agent Brown. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I've never been I might also be memorizing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, getting back, maybe some of Cypher's dialogue's a little ham-fisted. But in general, there's very good dialogue here for, a, for an action movie. So here's the thing. This is maybe the way in which I think the film has aged the worst. It's good, but it's very... Like it's cool, pre-Whedon. It's like cool exposition. Yes, every line is written for the trailer. So no conversation in this film sounds like two human beings having a conversation, right? It's yeah. always cool question and answer. It's never just people talking, right? <laughs> it's like, Morpheus went in there because he believed something. And I believe something too. What? I believe I can get him back. Why? Because maybe the Oracle told me. What? She told me. It's like, it's... For so a trailer, Metal you, Gear just take, Solid dialogue. you just take the questions out and string yeah, them together yeah, yeah. and we're good to right. go. And it all sounds really cool the first time. It's but entrancing. It's not how humans talk. It works its spell on you. Right, but I don't think I don't think it was something we noticed when it came out. But like I said, recently the trend is you've got all that snappy, constant. I certainly noticed that with Morpheus this time. Yeah, I guess yeah. he does it the most. Well, no, he's not taking the question. <laughs> That's the thing that he's he's not taking the question. He is just saying the trailer line, trailer yeah, yeah, yeah. line after trailer <laughs> line. But um, especially you know the middle of the film where he's explaining things that works out right. really well. So Matt. The Matrix is a computer program, and what you're experiencing right now is actually being fed into your brain by this program, and you're really um, in a pod being sucked dry by machines. Mm. Do you know what I just did? What did you just do? Explain to you what the Matrix was without showing, which according to Morpheus, <laughs> is impossible. <laughs> he likes to give people pills. <laughs> He's like, unfortunately, you cannot be told what it is. Morpheus is big pharma. 
Like, they tell you what it is on the back of the box. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess there's all the ins and outs. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just that always stuck with me of like, yeah, you can. Well, the, the actors, before even giving a script, were given a sense in simulchrome or something. I can't pronounce that word, but uh, they, they were given some reading to do. Uh, okay. and the actors were told they needed two people to explain the Matrix uh, well. Okay. Which Carrie Ann Moss said she had a little trouble getting her head around. You know, having not seen this movie yet, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird concept before this film, and now it's because this film was so huge, just seems really simple. Exactly. <laughs> now well, now think, we know it. That's what I was talking about when I was saying, like, imagine watching for this for the first time and you cut to that shot of him in the freaking tank. Yeah, So like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? Exactly. It was a mind blower, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did have my mind satanic shit. <laughs> blown, blown the first time around with this. Um, actor, oh, oh, the main act, the main leads were also... Um, given several months of training for mm. the action scenes, and I, I think they all like injured themselves in horrible ways. Right. Um, you may or may not notice that Neo doesn't really kick in this movie. Uh, yeah, I think I do remember learning that fact. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, like er, in the training, Keanu had like compressed like a like part of his vertebrae or something. Uh, couldn't kick for like the first three or four months, even though Neo was supposed to be doing that sort of stuff. So that's cool though, because it makes uh, Tranny and Neo look like they have very different fighting styles. Mm -hmm. Well, like we said, um, this film is like as influential as Star Wars. And like Star Wars, what it brought to the table was stuff stolen from Asia. Exactly. I mean, this is <laughs> the first time we have like kind of wire work stuff. Yeah, it's just the first time that we have like a proper kung fu fight choreographer in a western film yeah this is even a year before crouching tiger which honestly i think is an overrated film but uh you know that it had some all good the... kung fu though oh, it definitely has some good kung fu yeah i much prefer hero <laughs> there was a loud bang and the two friends spun around to see there was a blue ring floating in the air a cloud of smoke poured out lexus poked the smoke and screamed it burns he roared shaking his hand violently the smoke touched a tree. As the gas spread across the plant, it burned up in flames. This in turn lit another tree, and soon enough a small woods was burning. Lexus launched his ball, and a large spawn seal appeared. Dugong, it roared. Water gun, commanded Lexus, and a blast of water launched from the creature's mouth at the flames. We've done a lot of films recently where you can't really talk about the characters, so I forgot that was a thing you can do. <laughs> so, should we talk about the characters? Yeah, I mean, like we said, maybe they're a little too too cool for school characters, but yeah, we, we got characters. Well, what I love is, like, they are, but it makes sense, because these are just freaking video game avatars they've created of themselves. Oh, uh, I, what, what is the, the boy's name on the, on the uh, Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, Mouse? Yeah, yeah. Mouser? I... I I guess I never like paid that much attention to him in his red shirt duty, but he's all like like hipster dork in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing, dude? That's your avatar. That's what he thinks is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that certainly stood out to me. So maybe Mouse isn't so cool, but uh... well, but that's the thing. Like all of them, you're like, oh, Neo and Trinity, they're so cool. But then when you think about it, they are just internet dweebs, and this is their original character. <laughs> Do not steal. <laughs> and now they're living on a. Stanky rust bucket wearing scum clothes. Yeah. But in the Matrix, they can wear long black coats and they never sweat and get stinky. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we did all that um, wardrobe talk on Fifth, Amount, Fifth Element. Here, um, I read that the costume designer actually made sure that the clothes in the real world had like a lot more texture. Yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. Whereas the ones in the Matrix were very smooth. Very shiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 
maybe you don't like notice it, notice it, but it's very. When you think about it, it has an impact, right? Yeah, everything looks like handmade and sewn and rough and ready. You notice the green thing a little more, especially in the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they pushed it real hard in the sequels. Um, because I think of this film as blue. That would be the real world, right? Yeah, whereas I definitely blue. think of the sequels as green. The real world. But uh, okay, so so Neo should be like. Like 300 pounds and eating Cheetos then. Yeah, Is that yeah, what we're yeah. getting at? <laughs> I feel like, yeah, if they made it today, they'd do like a um, Captain America the First Avenger thing where he looks like a little, like weedy little shit in they the get, real world and then... Or they get Chris Pratt and have... Or have you know, different actors, right? Yeah. <laughs> there is a fourth one in the works. Yes. No, but they, I think that at this point they even have the original actors back in. But aren't they doing like works. a weird thing where within this film, the films exist? I don't know. So it's like a weird reboot thing. Yeah, I, I don't even want to... So maybe the actors are actually going to be playing the actors. Maybe. <laughs> like, the Wachowskis are not involved. Okay. Uh, I, I think Keanu is and Carrie Ann is, but the Wachowskis are not involved. I, I, I read something like, oh, Warner hopes they'll at least give their blessing, but whatever. Um, anyway, we're talking about the first one, because I, I, don't, I don't feel good about a fourth one. It smells like that Men in Black movie they did recently. Right. Men in Black International. It should have been good, but I've heard it's not. Um, the idea was... Being good would have made it like the actual mashup with Jump Street, maybe? Oh, God, that would have been so good if they'd made that. Yeah. Well, okay, where do you bring up Men in Black? Because you know who's originally meant to play Neo? Will Smith. Right. This would be such a different film if Neo was a black man. <laughs> yeah, and then... Because the whole thing, right, is you're oppressed, rise up from your... And this taught a generation of white freaking privileged nerds that you're the most oppressed people on the planet. And they were going to pair him against Val Kilmer as Morpheus. Oh, interesting. That's definitely a good change in uh, <laughs> I yep. mean, you know, Val Kilmer can be fine, but not, not, not as Morpheus. Um, just briefly, we always call this out when it doesn't happen, so I feel like I should point it out. This film is, um, this whole series has a very diverse cast. Yeah. There'll be multiple scenes where there's, you know, men and women, black and white, Asians all together, and it's not a thing. We right? have diverse directors in this case, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just... It's done how it should be done, where it's just you don't even notice it, right? Mm-hmm. But where I, I bet the directors did go out of their way to say, no, we want a very rounded cast. Yeah. But it's just not shot in that way, and they don't do that Disney thing of making a big song and dance of we've got our first gay kiss or whatever. They just uh, do it. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send Cloud Atlas your way sometime, which I think is actually their best movie. You said you haven't seen it. So. No. With that not in mind, sure, Speed Racer. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just going to have to do something pretty special to beat Speed Racer, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, okay, there's a certain element you won't get there, but it, it's pretty weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see what... So, Neo, right? We were going to start talking about Neo. Oh, yeah. We were going to talk about the characters. We still have them. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Neo. So, yeah, like we said earlier, he just starts the film as Ted and ends the film as, you know, Superman or whatever. Literally but he, flies in he the He is sky. very much the, uh, like, audience stand-in point of view guy. He doesn't have a huge amount of character in this. He's got a little bit of a sassy sense of humor and... He does, a, he does a fun woe. Well, I guess that's where people got blown away by the film because you're identifying with him, and then he becomes a superhero. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, like this and Phantomaeus came out in the same year, and both do a you are the chosen one shit. How big was that before these two films? Obviously, I know it existed, but... Eddie Murphy had the golden child. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was kind of a comedy, but wasn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like it wasn't as big a trope as it is now. I mean, it's every other film has it. 
that's a, uh, the original Star Wars story suggest that's Luke's role, but they don't spell it out. No. Which, which is why they could later say it's Anakin, because they never spelled it out for Luke. Right. Well, people argue all the time which one of them actually was it. Yeah. I just think it's funny that a year after this, Jet Li put out his movie, The One. Have you ever heard the story of how the, why The One exists? Why is that? Um, they wanted to make a film with The Rock. And they thought, oh, right, what can we show people that they haven't seen every week in his wrestling shows? What if The Rock fights The Rock? But then The Rock pulled out. Like, well, who can we get? Oh, Jelly! <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is definitely in the wave of films which came after The Matrix and Ooh, tried to look like yeah. The Matrix. <laughs> like um, Equilibrium. You seen that one? I haven't. Don't, but maybe do. <laughs> I remember the one at least being, like, entertaining. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one is fun, dumb kung fu stuff. Yeah. Equilibrium is Christian Bale in a future where... Uh, people take pills to suppress their emotions, but he stops taking them. But it has lots of long, cun- long coats and gun kung fu. Yeah. Don't we live in a world where people take drugs to subdue their emotions? <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. The other guy drinking today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what if, what if Trinity was just a geek? <laughs> well, again, we don't, see, we don't see her like pre-becoming Trinity life, right? Right. My assumption is that all of them were just super geeks at first, right? Mm. Because they've all their kung fu and stuff has been plugged into them. Yes. So before she she was just a hacker, right? She right. probably was just sitting at home in her sweatpants, covered in Cheeto dust. Well, that's pretty much what she's doing on the Nebuchadnezzar, except without the Cheeto dust. Only because they, they don't they have, have Cheetos. They have rule. Yeah. But <laughs> like everyone in this film is only physically fit because they've got no choice. <laughs> but uh, well, they're not necessarily fit even; they're just skinny. <laughs> and like Morpheus, yeah, he was a big old dweeb. <laughs> Although I feel like maybe he was more like a, because A is a little older. Yeah. Uh, I reckon maybe he was he got into it the philo- through the philosophical side rather than the computer hacking side. Yeah, that might be the case. Like he was like doing drugs in college and found out about the Matrix, right? No, I, sorry, when you said I just suddenly got this image in my head of like like they could do the Morpheus prequel where he's like mental management. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a good time for you to be taking that break. <laughs> <laughs> So the original plan was to do one prequel, one sequel, um, which would have been really good. But instead, the prequel got cut down to like a 10-minute animated film, and the sequel got stretched out over two films. Oh, okay. That's, so that's in the Animatrix. Yeah. That was intended to be an actual movie. Right. But okay. the, the studio were like, no, no, you, all, th- all three films have to have the full cast, or people won't see them. Right. That, y- I think the Matrix name would have sold it. Yeah, we want... Well, no, we want it... We always want to hate studio meddling, man. We want, the, you know, the real. But in that case, they're probably right. They, yeah, they probably were right. Because they told the story. Well, they told the story perfectly well in the Animatrix. Yeah, I really like those two animated. Yeah. Um, the, the prequel ones are made by the Evangelion guy. Oh, okay. Which is why the robot stuff is so fucking well, you, horrifying. That shit gave me nightmares as a kid. Yeah, really? <laughs> like, rip that dude out of his shell. <laughs> but the see, I actually, I'm going to go out and say it. I like the sequels. Same but, here they could probably have been cut down to one film which worked better. We'll get to that Because you have, like, time. the second film has basically no climax. <laughs> and then the third film has a 30-minute climax. <laughs> well, Is get... that where overly long climactic battles started? Well, yeah, I do write um, in my notes here, like, when Smith and um, Neo have their battle, you know, enjoy this fight with Smith that just gets dumber from here on out. Yeah. I remember, that probably is the best fight in the trilogy. Yeah, the third one is just like low-rent Dragon Ball I kind of, I mean, I like it, but it's not like 
good. It's absurd. <laughs> yeah. Again, it should be in Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah. It's very deliberately is Dragon Ball, right? Yeah. <laughs> second one has some good fights let down by some weak CGI. Well, second one, uh, it gets to the, the freeway chase. At, the freeway chase really and that makes fight it, on the staircase. Yeah, no, the burly man one annoys people for, I don't know. Is it ever, there is like a 10 second shot of a clearly cartoon Neo. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have seen that clip before, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. So. For a long time, my most watched YouTube video was when someone had just taken that scene and replaced it with sprites of Mario and Luigi. <laughs> so it's exactly the same blocking, exactly the same audio, but Neo is Mario and Smith is just a bunch of Luigi's. Nothing in here looks that dodgy. The Sentinels no. are a little too shiny, but they're fine. But it's all shot in like a way where you can't really see it. Yeah, it's it all shot in the dark. Uh, again, again maybe, on... maybe the shot at the end where you can see them on screen with the people, they look a bit naff. Yeah. But other than that, they look fine. And yeah, the Matrix stuff is mostly practical effects with CG used sparingly, right? Yes. So this film looks great, basically. Oh. It, I think it holds up better than the two sequels, for sure. Oh, it does. This is the iconic classic one. But it's just like, if you like this, you know, the, I don't see where the sequels are so hated on. Um, oh, when Was it just because it was around the same time as the Star Wars prequels and it was the done thing that you hate the new ones? Yeah. <laughs> when when the second one came out, I was um, working in Maine at an outdoor school, and all the teachers we went to see it. And I was just wearing my normal clothes, but I happened to be wearing black pants, a black coat, and sunglasses, and and, and I won a contest. <laughs> <laughs> well, like a neo lookalike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got some Keanu hair. I can yeah. see it. Sunglasses helped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah, kind of funny because I didn't know we were having a contest and. I just happened to, I guess I liked wearing black at that point in time. Maybe because maybe of the movie? I don't know. For most of high school, I did wear a long black coat that I got from my dad. Yeah. <laughs> but nice. I, I, it was half and half whether I thought I looked like Neo or I thought I looked like David Tennant. Depending what I wore underneath it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, mine really was for practicality. I worked outside in Maine, so. And my dad just bought this coat for himself, realized he looked ridiculous and let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like crap. Here, wear it. It's like when you're eating something, someone this tastes like shit. Here, I try it. <laughs> like, why? Your stomach tastes like shit. <laughs> uh, Cypher, the, the audience couldn't relate with him, right? You thought something cool was going to happen. You end up eating gruel for five years. Yeah, I can. If you were in his position and there was like a guaranteed safe way to go back, do you think he'd take it? Yeah, I mean, you know, he seems villainous from the start, but that's because, well, he's... Probably well, he's got to kill these other guys to get what he wants, so that's pretty shitty. But right. If there was a way that didn't involve betraying your crew. <laughs> there, there is the plot hole where he makes a deal with, with the agent. Right, and no one plugs him in. And you said you had a, a workaround? Well, we only know that they need a, a, someone on the other side to hack them in. But he's prearranged. They're letting him in. Oh. So maybe you don't need someone to hack you in if okay. like, the agents are going to do it for you. That's good, because I've heard another explanation before being like, he reads the code so well, he's actually... But no, he's not. He's eating the steak, so... Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if they're letting him in, then presumably they can make it easier for him. Okay. That would be my take. Mm. But yeah, it, I think it is just a plot hole, but... Yeah, I mean... It's not a fucking big one, is it? It's not a big one, but it's just... It's, it, like, I always find with plot holes, they don't bother me if I could easily think of, oh, maybe this happened. Yeah. The point being that this movie's plot is relatively tightly wound. Like, yeah, it, most so. of the pieces seem to fit pretty well, so that one sticks out. It also, bit. it just it moves, right? Every scene creates the next scene, which creates the next scene, and you just go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, when you go and see um, the Oracle, you're already in the scene where Morpheus gets captured, which means you're in the scene where they go and rescue him, which means you're in the final battle, like... <laughs> There's not a lot of waiting around in this film. Yeah, I definitely found like, oh, I still got a long time to go. We're just now speaking to Oracle. No, no, we're about to move into the 
final because sequence. It's on here. the way home from that that Morpheus gets captured, and they're straight away like we're going back in to get him. Maybe that's the contrast with uh, Reloaded. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's definitely more ponderous in the other two. But that's just sequel bloat, right? Everything gets a bit of that. Yeah. Any other characters you want to talk about? Well, Agent Smith. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> okay, is he really a... He, Not in this one, In this no. one, he's an automaton. Well, he's becoming a character by the end, right? Yeah. Because he's getting obsessed. Yeah. Like there, it's like he's an automaton who's been given too much freedom and now is becoming self-aware, maybe. Yeah. And then, yeah, in the other two, he's going, oh, he's a virus. I was about to sit here and be like, well, but no, oh, he does have a character. But in this movie, he really doesn't for the most part. It's not part. until you see him with Morpheus, right? Mm. And you realize, oh, he's obsessed with getting these guys. Something I noticed. Um, what was he doing? He calls Morpheus Morpheus. Oh. He always calls Neo Mr. Anderson. Yeah, you're right. But does he not know the other's real names? Possibly. How long has he been doing this? I guess if they got out without the agents being aware of them, maybe they can't tell who they are when they hack in. Mm. But with Neo, he, they found him while he was still in the Matrix. Yeah. I, I guess that's why uh, Hugo Weaving's so good in here, though. He, he seems so inhuman in a way that you don't even think to call him a character. He's, he's, a, he's a primal force, which they do push yeah, yeah. more in the, pre, in the sequels. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you can still see like how he is unhinged. Yeah, he definitely unhinges uh, Even the, the other end. agents, like, the fuck is wrong with you, dude? No, as I put it, like, what were you doing? Getting into Morpheus's stink. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can do the voice, but you can do the face. <laughs> that face he's got where it seems like he's got more mouth than would fit in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, the other agents, they clock out at the end of the day, but Agent Smith, <laughs> he's all in. Yeah, he doesn't clock out anymore. <laughs> You're lucky to be alive, Mr. Eon, was it? exclaimed the doctor. If these two hadn't saved you, you probably would have been burnt to death. Could you tell us a little about yourself? Well, this may sound impossible, but I'm from a parallel universe. Where I come from, Pokemon never evolved. Humankind is locked in a war with machines. Robots, if you like, which have made an artificial world called the Matrix, where they keep the human mind while getting energy from the body. It's complicated. Sure, exclaimed Alec. I'm Alec and this is Lexus. We're Pokemon trainers. Hey, with a few good creatures on your side, you could whip these robots. <laughs> Wait, I want something from the Mewtwo fight at the end. Yeah. Mewtwo punched some more, kicked a few, then pulled a lamppost out of the floor. It spun it around, taking out foes, and then lobbed it into the air. Mewtwo kicked 15 more agents, punched another, and then caught the post. More agents ran at the Pokemon, but it knocked them back. Mewtwo flew into the air. So there was this girl at my old job, and um, I, like, I would hang out with her on my lunch breaks. When we went out on like staff parties, I'd buy her drinks and stuff. I was really nice to her, and she never had sex with me. And that was when I realized that women have all the power in this world and that men are actually the oppressed ones. And that was how I became red-pilled. How were you red-pilled? <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> she owes me something, man. <laughs> That's how these fucking people think, Matt. <laughs> Men, they shoot people. <laughs> I, I guess it's the parts of the internet I dwell around, but for... And I, I definitely know that is one definition <laughs> of the, the red pill thing. Right. But may, maybe I like to hang out with the, in the headier spaces where the red pill would be more of a Gnostic thing. Right. That which was... is what it is in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, um, yeah, it's been co-opted by the right in an awful way. <laughs> but, like, if you use it now, like, you have to know that's what it means to most people, right? Right, so, <laughs> then, so then they changed it to, like, you're woke. Yeah. And, they, and now that's also taking on, like, horrible At least horrible it means the side. opposite of the, the regular <laughs> one. Right. So, I mean, do, don't call well, yourself anything. Know thyself. Right. Now has, we need to make it reach. Everyone's reaching, man. <laughs> Everyone's reaching, man. <laughs> we gotta bring that back. You gotta reach with us, triple flipper. But like I was saying, like so, this film creates that archetype, right? Of like white, lonely computer guy lives on. They're like, you know, it's not living a bad life. He's got a nice computer. He made two thousand bucks from that hack. He's got a solid paying job. But obviously, the film's idea is he knows there's something wrong, and that's why he's like this, right? But a lot of people take that as validation to be like. Oh yeah, I'm 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 being oppressed by this system, and I have to lash out against it. And ah, well, I, none of it's deliberate, but I think this film does have to answer a bit for creating a culture of guys who shoot up schools. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, the trench coat mafia, right? Yeah. I mean, um, so would will so Will Smith has actually said he's. Like, he didn't do this because of Wild Wild West, which might have been... I actually like that movie, but it, it was probably a mistake. Well, yeah. But he did say uh, later in an interview, like, it's probably... I wasn't, like, a mature enough actor to really do that role yet. I don't know if Keanu was either, but... <laughs> right, but, see, Keanu makes the switch. He starts off as Ted and ends as Nia, right? Will Smith, he could start the film as Will Smith and it would be fine, right? Mm -hmm. Would he end the film as, like... A serious character, or would he stay Will Smith all the way through? Yeah, he might I feel be like he'd have still been quipping as Nia, right? Yeah, when he was the one, he'd with, still be with doing Val the, Kilmer giving a little <laughs> chuckle. Yeah, he'd steal the agent's sunglasses and be giving him the I make this shit look good, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, in that way, yeah, it worked out, but you know, just not having a, a white dude doing that. What, Keanu's another guy like The Rock, though. What, what, is, is, he, is he... What is his... I think he might be... Um, he's got something Israeli. wrong Yeah? Because he's from Hawaii, right? Does yeah. he have any Hawaiian... I him? just know that he's, he's um, mentioned Israel before. I don't know if he is. I mean, you see him, he does come across as white dude, but I think his actual background is not is a little more diverse. Um, but you, yeah, and again, I, oh, Canadian actor. Who? Canadian. He's Canadian? Born in Lebanon. Oh, okay, wow. Lebanese. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he's a hell of a guy, but... Yeah, I, like I said, I've got nothing against Keanu Reeves, and also I really like him in this film. I just think the imagery of, you know. But like you said a few minutes ago, this movie was already pretty far ahead on the diversity curve. Oh, God, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's certainly not a, a game killer, but yeah, we got Neo in his, well, no, we got, we got Mr. Anderson in his pretty nice apartment. Yep. Cushy, like you said, he gives all that up for like, the truth, and not the not the actual, not the red pill truth that you're alluding to, <laughs> but he's looking for truth. He's, he, it's the, like, when this came out, um, I, my girlfriend at the time, we, we, were, we still went to, like, church thing at the university. I remember the Matrix, Jesus, you know, oh, obvious Christian metaphor, but the Gnostic thing holds up so much stronger here. Or, or Plato's allegory of the cave. Yeah, the Jesus metaphor isn't really... That one's ham-fisted. No, it's the fact that a lot of films do it, so this one gets lumped into that collection, mm. but it's not the main point of this one. No, it's the allegory of the cave, right? Do yeah. you know how that story ends? I don't know. We did, we did the Allegory of the Cave in my high school philosophy class and watched this film as part of it. Well, everyone's chained to the wall. Yeah. And they're watching shadows on the wall and they think that's reality. Right. And someone, and it's the, their masters are behind just shadows, right? Yeah. Someone gets out 
gets out of the cave and sees reality mm-hmm. and comes back and tells the other people. And then they kill him. <laughs> <laughs> they can't handle what he just said. Maybe that's why Morpheus is taking you, like, I can't tell you because you will kill me. Right, and that, they lean in, they, do, they say that, right? Like, we don't normally take out someone this old yeah. because they're chained to the system. Exactly. And, and in this case, they can literally become an agent and kill you. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I think they imply that the reason anyone can become an agent is because subconsciously they do want to protect the system. Mm. But the, one of the things I keep harping on the Gnosticism, not the Christian thing, or, or even the Eastern stuff is um, in the Oracle's house, they have, like, Know Thyself. Yeah. Which is the hermetic Gnostic you should probably, like, catchphrase. Um, Give us the 30 seconds of what Gnosticism is for yeah. listeners who are yeah, okay. throwing this word around. So, uh, usually, I think people tend to add the word Christianity, like it's an early form of Christianity, but it's quite different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes back, um, basically, we have Jesus uh, born on the 25th, virgin birth, uh, dies and is resurrected. Um, this story goes back many different times. There's, um, yeah, like the Egyptians had The Egyptians had Osiris and, so and Horus and... Um, uh, Zoroaster for the Persians, and I mean the list goes on and on. Uh, is Prometheus? A, no, no, Dionysus is the Greek one that gets lumped in there. Right. Um, but the idea of the dying and being reborn is that is when you come under your power and you know your truth, which is what happens to Neo here. They can tell him the truth as much as he wants, but he has to go through that experience in order to actually have the truth. So uh, the Egyptian versions especially fun. They'd have um, one of the things they do to, just to put the fear of death in people is um, have them swim through a pool of like alligators or crocodiles and mm. get to the other side. It was terrifying, right? Right. One, they're not going to eat you because they were actually fed, so they weren't hungry. Yeah. The other thing is, while you're freaking out, there's actually a passage under that you can take. Huh. So almost nobody the first time, like jumping the building, nobody makes it the first time. They flip out with all these crocodiles. Right. And after they kind of calm down, take a look, just, you know, look at, take, have some balance. Oh, there's actually another path that's just way easier. Well, like, Near-death experiences are, like, a powerful thing for people, right? Yeah, people will come back quite different once they've had that experience. Yeah. So... It's a truth. It's like a... Just a fundamental truth of the human condition, and I guess that's why it's been mystified in so many cultures. uh, uh, But specifically, Gnosticism. So, um, because Jesus works with that template... Mm. Gnosticism is sort of lumped in with Christianity as well. Right. Because it's the one that most people are familiar with today. Right, but they like weren't... Human they weren't, beings have been around for half yeah, a million was, years, not just the 2,000 that Christianity's been around. Yeah, so when Christianity was new, that was just like the most recent reference, right? Right. But the ideas go back to ancient Egypt. They go back how, God knows how long. Uh, the other part is, though, of course, uh, like the Indians would also say, everything's Maya, it's all illusion. Mm. The Gnostics would agree with this as well. So you and your consciousness, you're like a divine spark. So all the people in the matrix would be like a divine spark. And one thing that's very different between the Indian uh, Maya and the Gnostic version is um, all of the illusion is bullshit. Right. Which is the matrix. All of this is bullshit and it's being run by the archons. The archons have no actual consciousness. They're missing the divine spark and they're running the show. Okay. So the oracle is an archon. Um, the agents are archons. Uh, when we meet the architect in the next movie, he's an archon. Well, he's very much an archon, right? Because he has no... Oracle well, and Aiden Smith do He, he is the lead person. archon, which the Gnostics might see as the Old Testament, uh, you know, Jehovah, basically. Right. So he'd be that role. He is the, the lead archon. But 
Yeah, there's kind of a, the, the Demiurge is the name that goes with that. That's that evil force. That evil force has no consciousness. It just is the, um, the inevitable thing that must push against the consciousness and the divine spark, which is this trilogy totally. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, here's another, I guess we're straight up into philosophy now. In the universe of this film, free will straight up does not exist. Everything is predetermined. Like, they say over and over in this film and the sequels, right? Um, you are not making choices, you're just understanding them. It's a deterministic, you are, from what's happened before, what will happen next is predictable. Because yeah. the machines are not magical. You are, presumably, the Oracle is just real good at maths. What's well, algorithms. I mean, yeah. your Facebook tells you what yeah, it well, thinks you kind, want to see. That's kind of coming true, right? <laughs> yeah, like the may maybe you one... Got, you're I'm talking about you got an advert for back pain before you got the back pain because the <laughs> algorithm knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, really. But um, so if you, if you want to get into simulation theory and say everything's a simulation, that's fine. I, I am not of the idea it's a digital simulation. I, I'm of the idea that um, your consciousness and my consciousness is just iterations of the same thing and we are our own archon creating all of this for our own personal music amusement anyway. <laughs> I mean, maybe, I don't well, know. Well, even if it's a digital one, um, well, we're creating it's far a more likely that we are... I don't think there's a physical body somewhere else. We would, we're just part of the system, right? Yeah. We're NPCs. Yeah, so some ideas of simulation theory would have the idea that you might be on a different plane of reality and you're trapped here. Again, that would be kind of a Gnostic thing. The demi-urge yeah. or the, the agents or the architect is holding you into the illusion. They're, they're the people behind the chain prisoners in the cave making the shadows on the wall. Yeah. I feel like I had another point, but I've forgotten it. Mm. Oh, yeah, what? Well, this isn't it. But um, the most that I've noticed the algorithm's predicting me, every time I watch a YouTube video, I think, oh, now I want to watch this. I type the first letter and it comes up. Because enough people have just had the same thought. It's, yeah. It knows what I want to watch next. I've seen some of that. I, I guess, you know, I don't watch too much YouTube these days, but I, yeah, it's like YouTube mostly decides what I'm going to watch on YouTube. Right. Which is a little creepy, but... I probably I can't I probably don't watch more in an hour of it a week so yeah I, you know. I mostly I use it to just listen to songs at the gym or like watch something while I'm on the treadmill basically but you know we have kids like teen, uh, teenagers in Japan they're just <clears throat> watching videos between classes in classes right, well going back to how I started this segment that's how these um, basically horrific Nazi ideals get spread right it's because um, the algorithm it pushes certain things so like. Often I'll watch a video on like some feminist theory. The algorithm will give me the Nazi refuting that. <laughs> like the next video, I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> but like, yeah, algorithms are the algorithms we have at the moment are created by human beings, and whether they want to or not, they push those human beings' agendas. And so, like, if you have, you know, sorry to use the word woke ideas, but you swear a little bit, you're gonna get knocked down. Whereas the guy who's saying that we should ethnically cleanse the Jews but says it politely is getting pushed up the algorithm. <laughs> well, uh, YouTube mostly sends me um, rock songs that are missing the bass part so I can play <laughs> along and, and like theme park ride videos. <laughs> I mean, now, now I've taught it, it basically just sends me Pokemon stuff or 90s European dance tracks. So <laughs> I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. But, you, uh, you know, we're slowly, again, the, I guess the... The prequel, the anime prequel, has us constructing the machines, and the machines create the reality. Right. Whereas maybe in 1999 it wasn't clear yet. We're constructing this digital reality that may eventually take us over. I mean, you know, if 
people do start like downloading themselves in the internet, well, there's your matrix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just we're gonna step in willingly. That's the thing that this film. Um, I guess this film was made too early to realize there didn't need to be a Terminator war for this to happen. <laughs> we're just gonna do it to ourselves. Are we? I think I a lot of people are. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to. But I think society as a whole is moving to that point where just like, oh, it's depressing to be out in the real world, so I'm just gonna go home and plug into my Matrix every night. Well, the, the, I still think the core of this movie is what we see in the Oracle's house. Not myself. Exactly, because if the Cheeto dude living in his parents' basement knew himself, he wouldn't go blaming his issues on everyone else. Right. Um, free will, at that point, it, it, doesn't, it's not even, it doesn't matter anymore, especially if I'm in an illusion. I just, I make the decision now yeah. That I need to make. It doesn't really matter. I mean, because he does eventually make decisions that throw them off. The end game still turns out to be pretty much what was supposed to happen. But he, he throws some curveballs. And as one part of consciousness, you can't really expect to move the entire train. But you can certainly throw some curveballs, uh, you know, based on your own moral judgments and so forth. Well, I guess me and you are two people who kind of did take that message from this film. Because we're both people who've done pretty wild things with our lives. And... Like, you've talked before about how you were fat. You looked in the mirror and didn't recognize yourself, so you fixed it. You <laughs> yeah. knew yourself, right? You knew who you wanted to be, and you did it. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And we often talk about other people we know who, like, complain, don't fix things. But you can just make the decision to be better. Yeah. And uh, when, when you, you know, when you face that, you just, you know, do, what, do what you can. It's not going to work perfectly. Yeah, take your problems as a challenge. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty simple because otherwise your problems are just gonna screw you up our worlds were never meant to meet suddenly the warp circle appeared without the technology Mewtwo floated through it and vanished the end uh, we've talked about it a little already but this film yeah, holds up really well. This film defined the next decade of films, basically. Yeah, I mean, this really did turn out to be the Star Wars of its era. Well, it's uh, especially interesting about that. It's a, it's not like a universal rated film. It's like a 50, it was a 15 in the UK? Yeah, this was an R. Um, uh, the year it came out, it was the top grossing R film, R rated film. Right. I think it was fourth total. Yeah. I don't remember if it's worldwide or the States, but uh, one or two, it was fourth, which is, yeah, for an R-rated film, that's uh, pretty impressive. Because, again, Phantom Menace was PG for the reason that they wanted everyone to come see it. Uh, yeah, this it, film, it's, I mean, there is, like, violence and stuff. But I feel like most of the reason it has an R rating is because it fucks your head. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> How many dirty words do they drop in this one? And there's definitely no F-words. Yeah. The highest I think we get is shit. Yeah, I guess it should. I guess this would be a PG-13 in today's no, definitely be world. A, it would be these days, yeah. Yeah. You could drop an F-bomb in a PG-13 now. <laughs> you could then, too. In a PG-13? You get away with one. I think that's fairly recent. PG-13 actually used to be a little more... Uh, I, I think when they first started doing it, you could get away with a fair amount, and then maybe there's a period. I think it was after The Matrix, because if you remember, Revenge of the Sith was PG-13, wasn't it? Yeah, but it? there's no swear words in that. My, yeah, I know, but that's yeah, where it, it got like, watered down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but the, um, I feel like the swearing was... It was between the second and third Transformers film. Yeah. Because from the third one, they all have one. Mm. But up until then, they didn't. 
Yeah. Anyway, I feel like they got watered down a bit, and maybe it's but giving like, bad. It's honest. It's dumber having one F word than none. Yeah. But, okay, maybe it's the mind fuckery that got this, the, the Oh, there was, like, there's some body horror stuff as well. Yeah. Like, the, but he's in those tubes, and it's all popping out of him and stuff. It's pretty, yeah, pretty okay. graphic stuff. I mean, yeah. we, that's the thing. We're used to it now. Yeah. But, like, when that came out, like, shit, man. It's a human being being grown in a tube with all pipes coming out of him. It's more goopy than Children gory. being, like, gunked up and fed to him or whatever. Goopy again. That's yeah, some, but... Some goopy stuff. It's a goofy effect, but what's going on is still pretty horrifying. Well, this did popularize so many ideas that now it's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, before this movie, no one ever thought about, like, simulation theory, um, unless you're getting, again, into, you like, the Maya. Like, uh, yeah, you're properly into philosophy. Yeah, you know, folks living in the Himalayas would certainly I think get it. But. there are one or two, people often bring this up, films with similar ideas which slightly predate it, right? Dark City. Yeah. Uh, that one has Where the... When was 13th Floor? I think it might, same year, a little bit, around yeah. the time, you're right. I yeah, actually yeah. didn't see that, but Dark City has, I think they might even call them the Archons in that movie, have them huh. coming in, putting everyone to sleep each night and kind of resetting things, right? On that weird floating space thing. I'd never worked that movie out, to be honest, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this film, yeah, it introduced a lot of ideas. It changed the visual language of film. It really changed, like, the audio language of film. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. My parents gave me the, for my birthday or something a while, uh, a year or two after this, they gave me like the box, which came with the soundtrack. And yeah, I never liked the soundtrack that much. It had a couple, I mean, it had a couple songs I liked. I, you know, there's the big beat thing at yeah, the I time. Yeah, I like Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, I, I, my last night though, when it started, I thought they were going to get a bomb track. Uh, I want to hear bomb track. This is Wake Up. It's on the same album, but. Of course, the best would always be Fuck You. I won't do what you tell me. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> I just, in, my, in high school, my band, we used to cover bomb track and. Yeah. It, why did they choose Wake Up? I don't know. Because he's waking up. Fucking, did you really just ask fuck, that? That was like... Fuck you, oh. I won't do what you tell me works too. Yeah, again, but... Killing in the name of, man. Yeah. That works. It's a better song too. Yeah, yeah. great song. <laughs> yeah. No, but wake, of course it's going to be no, Wake Up. Of course, up. of course. I, that I'm, was like... Why did they use Wake Up? Is it because this film is all about people waking up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sure he's killing the name of That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I always forget they didn't. <laughs> I get in the film like, oh yeah, it's not that. Yeah, that's... I was just waiting for it, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this time I was waiting for Bomb Track. Uh, <laughs> um, this movie is responsible, like the influence on film, there's lots of good things, obviously. Uh, bullet time, all that. Yeah. You know, um, just kind of how action works, Hong Kong style action. Um, Skinny white kids thinking they're cool by having guns and long black coats, basically. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess we, we talked more about the offended geek culture, which does tie into the, the violent culture as yeah. well. But um, this, like, it made the R-rated film more acceptable again. I mean, yeah. it was in the 80s. Schwarzenegger knew that, but, uh, yeah. Where are we now on the curve? I feel like, yeah. Okay, but, like, Deadpool and that brought back the R-rated film a bit. I think... Not the, like this. The thing like is, this. you can get away with so much in the PG-13 now. Right. That the R-rated film is kind of redundant. Mm-hmm. It's now more for your disturbing dramas, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, well, yeah, I guess action just doesn't have that much blood these days. Yeah, usually not. Unless that's like the whole point of the movie or something. Yeah. I'm sitting here trying to think of uh, our, our modern, what's the closest modern correlation to the Matrix? Because everything's adaptations at the moment. Because the big films are like Marvel, Transformers, the new Star Wars is, whatever. But what was, what's the big... Yeah, this is probably the Nolan one. <laughs> uh, Nolan stuff, yeah. Well, yeah, Inception is very Matrix. Yeah. 
But my whole, yeah, like, not so many, it's all adaptations, but Nolan, the Wachowskis, I mean, they did, like, Speed Racer, although that, that is capstone, a... but everything else they do is, they're usually trying to go for something pretty new. Yeah. I mean, Cloud Atlas is a book, but it's way out there, so. And Speed Racer's way out there, isn't it? It's yeah, definitely yeah. not the normal. Um, well, the crazy thing about Speed Racer is, um, we'll, we'll definitely do an episode on it eventually. Um, the Wachowskis were like, we want to reinvent how films are filmed. But we want to do stuff that's so whack, we have to make it a kid's film to get away with it. <laughs> so it does loads of insane stuff with like editing and the way it does digital, this and that, which is slowly seeping into films. But they knew they could, if they tried to make it an adult film, people would just be like, the fuck am I looking at? Or is it a kid's <laughs> film? You're just like, oh yeah, what the fuck am I looking at? I love this. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, we've talked about this recently. Sorry, well. sorry, you're at adult film what the fuck am I looking at <laughs> <laughs> that brings back because I saw Speed Racer at, uh, I, I didn't see uh, I don't think I saw no IMAX wasn't really a thing for Matrix right. but I saw Speed Racer it gave me a little bit of headache in IMAX and uh, okay. was crossing the adult films I know I've told you but not on the podcast about my my porno max idea IMAX pornography <laughs> this, it just gets into any kind of porno theater or strip club I don't want to masturbate next to another guy masturbating. Gordo maxed! I maxed! <laughs> Only if I could guarantee the screen to myself. And the company will be called Maximum Pornography Incorporated. Oh, talking about uh, watching porn in public, I'll tell you about when I was first traveling in Japan. I was in a capsule hotel. And like in the like, communal area where you sit and eat lunch, there's like private booths for people who don't want to sit with other people. And it's an all-male capsule hotel, right? And I'm sat there one day eating my breakfast, and I hear a woman's voice. <laughs> oh, what's going on there? And I hear it a little bit more. And I hear her start to moan. I'm like, oh, dear. <laughs> and then from one of the capsules, I can hear loudly some porn. And, of course... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, no one else is batting an eyelid apart from me and the one other non-Japanese guy in the food court. <laughs> and we just all, like, look up from our meals make very awkward eye contact and continue to try and ignore it. The capsules don't have much privacy. Yeah. The capsules have loads of privacy. Do it in your capsule! You hear the train, ne never look, never glance oh, on a salary man's thing? phone. That's Coca-Cola train, yeah. Yeah. But, um, ne never, ne you know, don't glance at a salary man's phone unless you're ready for something. Yeah. <laughs> I can only assume that he thought he had his headphones plugged in and he didn't. Otherwise, it's just... What insane big dick energy to just sit and loudly publicly watch porn. <laughs> well, I was, I was, a few years ago, I was walking into a, um, a shopping mall. Right. And there's a guy standing there, like near the, like one of the main entrances. He's standing, and I noticed he's kind of like, oh, I need to kind of step around this guy because he's taking a piss. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he taking a piss right by? He's like, wait, like, not, he did look like a, he's like wearing like a golf shirt and, you know, nice pants. He looks like, you know, like, what the fuck, dude? The toilet's right in there. <laughs> Oh, man, we should have saved all this for the next episode when we don't have anything to say. <laughs> well, we had a few things to say on The Matrix, and now we're talking about people pissing and watching porno in public, so <laughs> are we coming to an ending here? I Maybe? Yeah, I'm very close to an ending, Matthew. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Turn your phone off. Look at the headphones. Um, or just listen to a Pokemon, po Pokemon, Pokemon podcast. It is ad. very much not like this. <laughs> The most recent episode I uploaded, um, and it begins with two minutes of Bible scripture. <laughs> and the one after that, I'm constantly quoting Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> okay. So it's been a good couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, you can find my other podcast at Luke Loves PKMN on the Twitter. And if you like the music you've heard in this episode, then you can check out Matt's music 
at rovingstagemedia.bandcamp.com. But not your fan fiction. That's that's just over the music. You have to listen to this podcast for the uh, Matrix Pokemon well, mashup. I am considering recording a full reading of my fan fiction, which will go up as a bonus episode, probably on both shows. Um, <laughs> But I guess I'll send Matt the link so he can link to it if you want to read it. <laughs> right. Uh, we are MLSFS Pahad. I got it out slowly. Yes, MLSFS Pod on Twitter. You can also search for Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary on Facebook. However you're listening to this right now, be that YouTube, iTunes, whatever, do all the things that make us feel happy. Press like, press subscribe, write a review, give us five stars. It's Tell Apple your Podcast friends about now. it. Oh, can't yeah, it's call not it iTunes, iTunes anymore. anymore. Shit, they're coming dead. for us. <laughs> <laughs> Agents. <laughs> Agent. Ah, oh, sorry. I just was. I was gonna come up with a snappy name, and like my brain just. Jobs? Yeah, my brain just stopped working. So. That's because they've got you, man. It's <laughs> shutting you down. So this has been man. This has been Luke. It's time for you to get the fuck out of our sanctuary. It's time for you to get the fuck out of our sci-fi sanctuary, Mister. This week's poll, which one was, which one worked better? Uh, apparently my face worked, but your voice works. We'll see. I mean, later. I, I thought my voice worked when I was 11. I don't know if it actually does. Oh, okay. <laughs> later. I did write four more sequels, but they're not online anymore, I don't think. Who's Data? His version of Tank, I think. Okay, just making sure it wasn't Data. No, but maybe it was named after Mr. Data. <laughs> That's not obvious. The other thing, this won't make sense to you, it would have made so much more sense to write Digimon fanfiction with The Matrix. <laughs> but there was this one website I liked, and she only put Pokemon fanfic up, so I wrote it for that. Ah. Uh...